Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you today. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Yesterday was a lot of fun talking to uh, Father Guffey about uh, Pray. We got we were able to give away five free downloads of the film yesterday to uh, those who were on our email list. It was, it was pretty cool. So very excited. Kathy was one of them up in uh, Danvers, Massachusetts. She, uh, she really enjoyed the film. John said he really enjoyed the film. Angelo. So we're very grateful to those that uh, participated in that giveaway. And the ability to give those away was uh, pretty cool. So thank you. Thank you for that, Father, Mur- Father Guffrey. All right. So today on the program, we're going to have a conversation with Father Gerald Murray. Now, you might know Father Gerald Murray from his time on Raymond Arroyo's The World Over Live. He is a part of the papal posse, the so-called papal posse. He is a canon lawyer. He's based out of New York. Uh, he is also the pastor of Holy Family Church. Well, he has an article on the Catholic thing that we reached out to him about. It says, uh, Germany's schismatic synodal way. We've been reporting a lot lately about uh, things going on in Germany. Well, what is going on in Germany? What in the world is going on in Germany? Father Gerald Murray will be our guest in this hour to discuss that with us. So, be looking forward to that. Of course, we're going to have uh, breaking news and stories. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, What's Concerning Us, uh, the guest segment. And then uh, today in the second hour, if you're at all able to join us then, uh, we're, we will wrap up this week's game show with pulling the name out of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence for this week's prize pack, which is a $200 value uh, pack from Tan Publishing on the Life of Christ. It's the full set of Blessed and Catherine Emmerich's uh, um, sort of visions or myst- mystical uh, revelations about the life of Christ. $200 value. Someone's going to win that today. There'll be three more chances to get in on that drawing if you can join us at all in the second hour for the for the game show. That's going to be a lot of fun. But the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. Happy Friday. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend today. With power and, yes. ele- and heat. Can you believe what a difference one week can make? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, I, it's hard to believe. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there are still like Texans that are out of power right now. That's true, and water as well. So we need to continue praying for them. Yikes! Their well-being. Yikes! I know Adrian is back in the power business. Good morning to you, Adrian. Oh yes, I'm back in the power business. Uh, I'm making a lot of money off of it. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, we uh, are great, happy. It was 16 degrees a week ago. Now it's 70, like yeah, seven degrees exactly. this week. This weekend, it was humid this so, morning. So weird, gotta... weird. Texas is strange. That's what it is. Praise be to God. I had in back in 2008 with Hurricane Ike. We lost power for 13 days straight. Uh, so wow. it was. I understand what that's like. So we'll be praying for those that are still suffering through all of that. Of mm-hmm. course. All right, we have uh, a bunch to get into today. We're very excited about it. Lots to talk about in the uh, What's Concerning Us section as well. So we hope you'll join us for all or part of uh, the program today. But let's begin with your prayers. Uh, Dear listener, whatever your intentions are today, we are going to offer those up. We're going to ask Our Lady to intercede on your behalf, whatever you're faced with, whatever you're challenged with. We, of course, are praying for our team and our equipment and our broadcast, our live streams, 
everywhere for our apostolates, uh, the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're praying for them, praying for peace in our country, in our world, the conversion of sinners, and even the the conversion of the heart, mind, and policies of our of our president, President Joe Biden. Praying for his health, but especially for his conversion on the non-negotiable issues as a Catholic. So let's ask Our Lady to intercede for uh, all of these intentions. In, uh, by whispering them into the ear of her son, that uh, he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Yesterday, the House passed the Equality Act, a bill that the U.S. bishops have warned would trample religious freedom protections while codifying gender ideology in federal law. The legislation, sponsored by Representative David Cicilline, recognizes sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes under civil rights law and forbids discrimination on the basis of those classes in a number of areas. The U.S. Bishops' Conference has opposed the legislation, saying it upholds gender ideology and the redefinition of marriage and frames gender as simply a social construct, and it would punish religious groups opposed to these beliefs. The legislation prevents religious freedom claims from being made by individuals and groups under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. A Canadian church is continuing to hold Sunday services in violation of COVID restrictions. In solidarity with Alberta pastor James Coates, who is in jail for preaching to his flock amid lockdowns, another faith leader defied COVID rules restricting service sizes with a service held last Sunday, saying, We cannot comply with rules that make what we essentially do as a church impossible. Tim Stevens, who serves as senior pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, said in a press release, We're not against all rules and health measures. However, we cannot comply with rules that make what we essentially do as a church impossible. And to be clear, it is Jesus Christ, not civil government, who defines what is essential for the gathered church. Fairview Baptist has been cited with a total of seven violations by Alberta Health Services inspectors and was fined $1,200. Witnesses at the fifth hearing in a trial for alleged abuse and cover-up at a Vatican youth seminary testified on Wednesday to an unhealthy culture of ridicule and abuse of power. The witnesses also alleged that reports of sexual abuse were were ignored or dismissed by authority figures, including the cardinal in charge of St. Peter's Basilica. Located inside Vatican City State, the Pius X pre-seminary is a residence for boys who serve at papal masses and are considering the priesthood. The pre-seminary is run by a religious group, the Opera Don Fulci. Three former students testified that the environment in the pre-seminary was unhealthy and accused a former student of sexual abuse, which was ignored by the rector. And a Mexican man died while kneeling in a church on Sunday. Juan, a man who is in his 60s, entered the church and made his way up the center aisle while kneeling, and then collapsed at the foot of the altar. The sacristan called an ambulance, but Juan was dead within minutes. Mexican law states that when a person dies outside of a hospital, the body cannot be removed until a coroner and local prosecutor come to examine the body. 
The pastor, Father Saeed Lozano, went on to celebrate the regularly scheduled mass as a funeral mass for Juan, whose body remained in the center aisle covered by a white sheet. Father Lozano and his parishioners were very moved that Juan had come to the house of God to take his last breath. I'm Emily Alcraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Uh, praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Blessed Martino Martini, pray for us. He was born in the late 12th century. He was a convert to Christianity. He joined the Franciscans, though he never made his solemn profession, or he became an official friar. He did most of the menial work around the convent of San Francesco in Lisbon in Portugal. He went barefoot all the time. He lived off very little, just bread and water, spending most of his time or all of his free time in prayer. In fact, legend has it that, you know, one of his jobs was to be the cook, but too often he would get caught up in prayer rather than the cooking. And at one point, a friar walked into the kitchen to see him praying and caught up in ecstasy while angels did all the cooking on his behalf. He died in 1249 there at the convent in Lisbon, Portugal of Natural Causes. Blessed Martino Martini, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's great parallels here between the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, and Moses himself, the, the man who was given the law of God and, and became its uh, sort of its communicator to the people. Jesus does more than that, though. He is more than just communicating or interpreting the law. He, he, he equates himself to God. He gives it its penultimate understanding. And that makes, uh, makes him incredibly unique. He's, he is basically proclaiming himself as a God here. And I think we miss that too often in his interpretation. You'll see he says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, I mean, that's definitive. That's, that's very important and definitely stood out to the hearers of this audience, which would not have uh, missed that vital point. But notice the differences between the old law and the new law here in this passage. In the old law, it was designed to separate the people of God, to consecrate them to God himself, to, to make a people set apart for a purpose. That was to convert the world, but to set them apart from their Gentile neighbors' sins. Now, in the new law, it's not just separating us from our sins, but more to the point, we're not just becoming good citizens in the world, but we're becoming saints. And that is what Jesus is calling us to here. He's calling us to sanctity. 
And he's calling us to look deeper beyond just the surface of the, of the law of doing, uh, doing these, these things in order to be righteous. We have to check our hearts, our intentions more than just our actions. I also like the, uh, this, uh, escalating in severity at the beginning. He goes from judgment to Sanhedrin to Gehenna. I mean, and, and it's, it's very, uh, it's very gripping as you go along. You realize, even if I said, you fool, I am liable to the fiery Gehenna. Do you know what Gehenna is? It's the valley, the Gehennom Valley there. You know why, uh, Jesus uses this reference to describe the fires of hell? Because in that valley uh, was the, the, the trash pile. It was the trash dump. It's where they burned their garbage, their refuse. Now, the only reason, the reason why they burned their garbage there is because no Jew would enter that, uh, that land for any other reason because they used to do child sacrifices to pagan gods there. And it was only good for burning. And he's used this Gehenna uh, reference on a multiple occasions in the gospel to describe fiery pit of hell, that burning place where child sacrifice occurred. It's, uh, it should sear its way into our minds today about our, our Lenten journey and the things that we must meditate upon. Forgiveness and, uh, and living in peace and living in righteousness and living in holiness. Emily, Adrian? Yes. So the, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said here as well, just like every day. And one thing I think I have to bring up during the after show is the translation of the word, uh, what is it? Raka? I think, I think that's how you say it. And, um, Cornelius Lapide gives like six different definitions for it, each backed by different church fathers. He's like, Jerome said this, Augustine said this, uh, Cornelius said this, and so on and so forth. And here's my interpretation. And so there's a, this is very, very nuanced. But um, the one thing that I do want to focus on is about the righteousness of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Because Cornelius Lapide says that, that they were righteous because they did fulfill the law. Um, but the law that God is calling to us is even greater, is higher than the law of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so here he's, he gives one example. He says, thou shalt not kill. Many thought by this law, murder only was forbidden. But Christ here teaches that by it, even all angry words, blows, reproaches are forbidden. For such things are, as it were, preludes leading to a row to homicide. So he points out that there is a greater law that is being instituted than even the Pharisees and Sadducees following every uh, bit of the old law, that the new law that Christ gives is even greater. Wow. Much more to discuss about all of that, either in the next hour or in the after show. So we hope you'll stick around for that. But coming up after this break, we'll have the What's Concerning Us section. 20 million online sexual abuse uh, material incidents reported on Facebook. Just on Facebook. All that plus much more. And Father Gerald Murray coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Lots more coming your way. Atheists often justify their atheism by saying there's no scientific evidence for God. But this is problematic for two reasons. First, science can no more detect God than a metal detector can detect plastic cups. God, who is immaterial, is beyond the scope of scientific inquiry because science is restricted to detecting matter. This leads to a second critique. The argument confuses method with reality. Science's inability to detect God says nothing whether or not God exists. It's simply a manifestation of the limitations of its detecting powers. 
To say God doesn't exist because science can't detect him is to confuse the limitations of the method for knowing reality with what is real. So it really doesn't matter that science can't detect God, and therefore is not a justifiable reason to be an atheist. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. It's always good to see folks hanging out with us on our live video streams, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. If you're there, uh, comment. Let us know where you're at. But if you're listening on uh, Stations of the Cross this morning, God bless you. Good morning to you. And of course, the Guadalupe Radio Network, it's always good to be on with you. Hopefully, you're also uh, downloading and installing the the apps. I think with Station of the Cross, it's uh, the iCatholic uh, app. And I think uh, with the Guadalupe Radio Network, all you have to do is search for the Guadalupe Radio Network in your iOS or Android app store, too. So great places, great tools to make sure you stay connected to your Catholic Radio apostolates. But uh, in the uh, What's Concerning Us section, I have uh, a few stories, as usual, to d- discuss. I'm sure uh, Emily does as well. Uh, but I wanted to mention real quick, Father Gerald Murray is going to be our guest in the guest segment coming up, I don't know, 17 minutes from now or so. Uh, he is uh, he is a canon lawyer. He's a parish pastor in New York City. He is also a part of the Papal Posse on The World Over Live with Raymond Dororio, and he put out an article on the Catholic thing called Germany's Schismatic Synod way. Uh, so much going on in Germany. We've been reporting on it, so we've invited Father Murray to be on to give us some context and insight as to why uh, what's going on in Germany is kind of a big deal, and we should be paying attention and praying and fasting, more importantly. But we'll talk to him about that in the guest segment. Um, I want to mention this right out of the gate, uh, this article. Uh, the Blaze is reporting it. It's uh, The headline goes, Over 20 million online child sexual abuse material incidents reported on Facebook, just on Facebook. Now, this is important. Uh, I said yesterday, I really want to draw more attention to uh, uh, human trafficking and uh, sexual exploitation of of humans, the the enslavement of humans for sexual business. Uh, I'm trying to uh, line up some guests on that regard, and uh, this this story is related to that. The article says this, quote, The annual report by the NCMEC for 2020 claimed that organizations' cyber tip line received more than 21.7 million reports of online child exploitation. 21.4 million of these reports were from electronic service providers. There were 20 million Uh, More than 20 million reported incidents related to child pornography or trafficking on Facebook, just on Facebook, between Facebook, Instagram, and the WhatsApp, all owned by Facebook, by the way. So 21.7 million tips and over 20 of them, over 20 million of them are just on Facebook platforms. Let that sink in for just a moment. If I had to guess, I would have not said Facebook. I would have probably said uh What's the uh, Snapchat or something? Uh, what do the young people use these days, Emily? TikTok. TikTok. I would have said TikTok. 
Now, TikTok did have some incidents. Here's some of the others. It says um, 546,000 plus incidents on CSAM. I have no idea what that is. Snapchat found 144,000. Microsoft had 96,000. What's Microsoft? Is that like LinkedIn or something? I don't even know. Twitter cited 65,000 cases. TikTok had 22,000 cases. Reddit had uh, 2,200. Uh, so TikTok had way less than, uh, than the Facebook platforms. Um, of course, we all know about uh, the, the Pornhub group, and there's a bunch of sites that are similar to that. Uh, they have a ton of cases as well, um, which is sickening just by itself. That Pornhub, I mean, just like good grief, that a thing that does not need to exist on planet Earth, Pornhub. Um, so they've had lots of problems. In fact, there were uh, we've reported um, lawsuits that have happened where uh, victims have tried to force Pornhub to take material down, and Pornhub fought against it, trying to keep the material up. So there's a lot of that going on. We'll we'll post a uh, link to this article for you to read it. But uh, Facebook, over 20 million online child sexual abuse material incidents on Facebook platforms alone. It's insane. We'll post a link. Uh, Emily, what do you got? So for me, there was this article uh, from Catholic News Agency entitled, What Changes May Be Coming to the College of Cardinals in 2021? And so it was just kind of pointing out that um, ever since Pope Francis has taken office, he's uh, done things very differently um, to what they've been done in the past. So at this point, it's this article says that he has named um, over 70 cardinals. May, I think it, the number might be as high as 100 cardinals, um, a high, high majority. So just for comparison, during his papacy, Pope Benedict appointed 39 cardinals and John Paul II appointed 16 so this wow. is seven times more than is normal. And so the, the, normally Pope Paul VI put a cap on the amount of cardinals who are eligible to vote in a conclave. He capped it at 120, which I think is still higher than it was in the past. Um, and currently we're at 127. Um, so it's int interesting to see what is going to happen in the future with the cardinals. And uh, there's a lot of speculation as well about who's going to be Cardinal Robert Seurat's replacement because that's a pretty important position as well. So yeah. just the future of the hi hierarchy is on my radar. <laughs> yes. I, we, I've always said we should have like a uh, hierarchy fantasy league. You know, <laughs> we, can pick the, we can pick our teams and see how it all comes out. Um, I'll only mention this story in passing. I want to get to another story, but um, I found this very interesting. The, uh, Breitbart reported this. It said Amazon Prime cancels Justice Clarence Thomas documentary during Black History Month. Um, so the 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 rub goes, he's the only uh, sitting uh, black or African American uh, chief or not chief. I wish he was chief. He's not chief. I, uh, Supreme Court justice in our country right now. And there's a great documentary, a PBS documentary, uh, well loved documentary about his life that they took down uh, in. Black History Month. Why is that when there's, uh, you know, there's so many other documentaries that are available, but they took his down. Why? Well, uh, I'll read just this one paragraph to you. It says, quote, according to news reports, Amazon has been taking down long running documentaries from its site with little or no warning. And apparently it is almost impossible to receive a response as to why a documentary was taken down. 
And there may be some so-called liberal documentaries that have been taken down during this period. But it is very strange that Amazon could not find space on its website to stream a documentary on our longest-serving black Supreme Court justice in American history that ran on PBS in a national broadcast. No small feat there, it says, and is a top-selling DVD in its documentary section with less popular documentaries on Justice uh, Marshall and are still running, unquote. So who knows what their motivations were? Could be innocent, could be nefarious. We do not know. But either way, it is very strange. Uh, is it a reprisal f uh, for his uh, conservative views? Is it a reprisal for his uh, opinion re most recently about the Supreme Court not taking up the election fraud cases from Pennsylvania and elsewhere? I don't know. Nobody knows. But it is strange that during Black History Month, they take down a popular documentary that uh, features the life of the only black Supreme Court justice in our land. So we'll post a link to that. It's from Breitbart. Um. I have a story here. Do you have any more stories there, Emily? Oh, go ahead. Okay, because this one I thought was, I only found out about this this morning. This apparently is a story that goes back to a year ago. But uh, leaked emails confirm UN gave names of dissidents to CCP. Now, this is an Epic Times article. And the issue here is that the Human Rights Council meets and they discuss cases uh, from, uh, from various human rights infractions all over the world. But there is a trend that happens thanks to a whistleblower at the United Nations who revealed emails, uh, email exchanges between uh, the CCP and the UN. Uh, whenever there's witnesses that want to testify in Geneva against the CCP, specifically about the persecution of Uyghurs and Christians there or Falun Gong there, um, what happens is the CCP contacts the UN and asks for the names of the witnesses. And once they receive these names, they then either prevent these people from leaving the country in order to go testify, or if they've already left the country, they arrest their family members and hold them uh, as uh, leverage to get them to not testify. It is, it is a practice that apparently has become a very common and normal in the relationship between the communist uh, government of China and the United Nations. I'll read a couple of paragraphs to, here to you. It says, quote, Thanks to leaked emails about the practice, however, it is now clear that the UN misled its member governments and the press surrounding the scandal. One of the explosive emails in question was sent on September the 7th, 2012, from a diplomat at the CCP's mission to the UN in Geneva requesting information on Chinese dissidents to, to testify at the UN Human Rights Council. So it says, quote, following the usual practice, the usual practice, notice those words, following the usual practice, could you kindly, this is, a, this is a communist Chinese CCP member asking for the names. This is what this is. It says, following the usual practice, could you kindly help me to check whether the persons on the attached list are requesting the accreditation of the 21st session of the HRC, the Human Rights Council? asked the CCP diplomat in an email to the UN liaison with non-governmental organizations. He says, quote, my, de my delegation has some security concerns on these persons. And the response they get back is, quote, as per your request, kindly be advised that so-and-so uh, and so-and-so -and -so were accredited by the non-violent radical party, the transitional and uh, trans party for the 21st session of the Human Rights Council. So they're, they're providing names as usual. Well, the, the whistleblower was uh, tried in the United Nations. They have their own court system. 
She was tried. She's still employed, but she's, quote, under investigation still. And so a year ago, she released this information to uh, Epic Times, and they followed up with her. And so this is still going on, she's saying. It's still a common and, quote, normal practice for CCP to obtain names of those that would testify about the Uyghur persecutions, Falun Gong persecutions, and Christian persecutions in China. And then uh, what uh, CCP does with those names is never a good thing. It is very concerning to us. Again, another example of why we should not be cooperating with in the way we are now, under our, especially our new administration, with communist China. It's never a good thing. Emily? Yeah, so for me, obviously China always a concern. Um, but here in the United States, the Equality Act is almost being officially passed. It has passed in the House. Now it's going to the Senate. Um, and I think at this point, it's less about, um, hey, this is a bad idea and more of a we should be focusing on how to respond to this and as well as preparing ourselves for the persecution that is going to come as a result of this, as a result of standing up for the church's teachings on the dignity of human life, on the dignity of marriage, of masculinity and femininity. So for us, I think first and foremost, this is spiritual warfare. So we have to get down on our knees and, and pray that um, God will uh, spare us and help the world to see the truth about um, natural law and his the way that he created the world. Mm. Um, what else? So for me, um, there's also, so in Chicago, uh, it seems that Father Flager, this thing is still going on with Father Flager. Um, so apparently the, his church, St. Sabina, put out some sort of post saying that he was innocent and that the government or the courts had decided that he was innocent, which was false. His case is still um, under investigation. And so they're having rallies in Chicago of over 100 people of his supporters that are rallying outside of the courts um, asking the court to drop charges against him. Wow. And so it's just interesting to see how, despite the evidence, um, despite Chicago, the Archdiocese of Chicago supporting Father Flager for years and years and years, um, they're turning a blind eye to this, this sort of factual evidence, to the victims, the stories of the victims, um, alleged victims. But Amen. Yeah, crazy. Amen. Father Flager. Yikes. All right, that's going to do it for the What's Concerning Us section. We're going to go to break. We'll come back. We'll have uh, breaking news and stories with Emily, but then we'll have our conversation with Father Gerald Murray about his uh, The Catholic Thing article on the German uh, Germany's schismatic synodal way. What's going on in Germany? Father Gerald Murray will be our guest to explain it all. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Money, sex, power. They're all endlessly enticing, but never fulfilling. They always lead to a dead end. Materialism cannot satisfy. Pleasure loses its pleasure. And most people figure that out, and in desperation, they look anywhere for help. Except to the church. They look to Eastern philosophies, to spiritualism, to strange new religions. But there's only one answer to their eternal questions. They deny it, they dance around it, they run from it, but they won't try the one thing that works. They won't try it because they know what it costs. Everything. It means taking up your cross and following Jesus in all things. G.K. Chesterton says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org the universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. 
And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, February 26th, and these are your headlines for today. The Lepanto Institute has new findings in its investigation into Catholic-funded organizations. The research has shown that a Tennessee-based Catholic Campaign for Human Development grantee, the statewide Organizing for Community Empowerment, is in direct violation of the CCHD's grant guidelines. Lepanto Institute has direct evidence that proves SOCM is a community partner of Planned Parenthood, raises money cooperatively with Planned Parenthood, and is a participant in the promotion of abortion and homosexual activism in its coalition work and across its social media platforms. They also found that the SOCM has already been reported for these violations back in 2012. The Catholic Campaign for Human Development praised the same organization for their environmental work in 2014 and granted them an additional $150,000 in 2017. UK police removed an elderly woman who was praying outside her local abortion clinic. They escorted her home in their police van and claimed that she was too far from home with no reason to be outside. Police said she would be fined for a breach of COVID regulations. The woman, Rosa Layler, was taking part in the regular yearly 40 Days for Life pro-life witness, holding a peaceful prayer vigil near a British Pregnancy Advisory Service Center in Liverpool when she was removed by the police and ordered to go home. Under the current restrictions in England, people are only allowed outside for select reasons, including offering charitable services and taking daily exercise. As a result, no more than two people at a time have been conducting the pro-life vigil in order to stay within the permit of the law. A doctor in Argentina had his medical license reinstated after standing up for his pro-life convictions. Dr. Leandro Rodriguez Lastra, a pro-life gynecologist whose registration had been suspended by the Ministry of Health in the Entre Rios province because he refused to perform a late-term abortion, has been allowed to resume his medical practice after litigation. His doctor's license was withdrawn after he was convicted in Rio Negro last year and deprived of his right to be employed in both public institutions and private practice. Because of his objection to the late-term abortion back in 2017, the life of a baby was saved at 23 weeks gestation. Dr. Rodriguez Lastra has become a pro-life activist and wrote a book entitled When Saving Lives Beca Became a Crime. A religious order announced this week that it had withdrawn an application to exhume the body of its U.S.-born founder following an outcry in England where the nun is buried. The Society of the Holy Child Jesus said that it had abandoned plans to transfer part of the mortal remains of the venerable Cornelia Connolly to Philadelphia. Connolly was the mother of five, a convert, and the founder, foundress of a religious congregation. She's buried in Mayfield, East Sussex, although her order hoped to transfer her remains to the Cathedral Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul in Philadelphia. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Uh, before we jump on our call with our guests real quick, if you're looking for a way to share our show with your friends, your family, or your networks, a great place to go to do that, to find links and content and things that you can share 
is on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The podcast is there. Videos are there. All of our social links are there. So you can find a lot of information right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, but joining us right now by phone is Father Gerald Murray. He is a canon lawyer, a pastor of Holy Family Church in New York City, uh, most famously known or infamous, infamously known as part of the Papal Posse on Raymond Rorio's The World Over Live on EW. WTN, and he joins us now by phone. Good morning to you, Father Gerald Murray. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for your time today. We're very uh, glad you're on with us. You wrote this article, uh, Germany's Schismatic Synodal Way on the Catholic Thing. Uh, there's been so much news coming out of Germany over the last few years. Uh, the average layperson who's just trying to get by is probably very confused. What in the world is going on in Germany, and why should it matter to, to, the, uh, to the average layperson? Father Murray, uh, what can you tell us? Yes, well, the German church has been promoting radical ideas for decades now, and it was of great concern to Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict, uh, and they uh, made various attempts to try and you know, bring the bishops and the uh, priests and religious and the radical laity to task and to make them, you know, reaffirm Catholic doctrine and not spend all their time and energy trying to change the church. Well, under Pope Francis, unfortunately, they just continued and ramped up this activity, so they began a process, they call it the synodal way. Uh, what it really means is it's a meeting of uh, some of the bishops and an uh, official lay organization in Germany, uh, which are issuing proposals, and the first of their proposals uh, was published uh, back in December, and uh, the English translation came out, and that's why I wrote the article, because as soon as I read this document, I said to myself, this is revolutionary. They basically want to uh, get rid of the hierarchical structure of the Church. They want to get rid of the doctrinal unity, the dogmatic consistency of the faith. Uh, they basically want uh, to turn the Church into a democracy where everything's voted on, and things that get voted down uh, have to be discarded. So it's a, it's a real challenge to Catholic unity, and it's more or less a Protestantization of the Church, and even worse, uh, it's basically apostasy because they're going to uh, get rid of doctrines they don't agree with. One of the uh, aspects of your article that I found very intriguing was, on one, on one hand, on one side of their mouth, they're saying, you know, we want to... Uh, object to sort of this very stern Catholic teaching that sort of forces its uh, judgments down our throat. And then on the other hand, they're trying to say, well, once we've made these decisions, we expect that you'll, you'll abide by them. <laughs> I mean, it's very uh, schizophrenic almost in thinking. Uh, how do you see it, Father Murray? Yes, no, I agree. That, that part struck me. They, they basically say, uh, we expect recommendation decisions adopted by a majority will be also be supported by those who have themselves who have voted differently. And they say, we expect the implementation decision will be thoroughly and transparently examined by all. We expect everyone to help promote the ability of the Synodal Assembly to act. Now, that is crazy, because in democracy, if you vote down a law or a proposition, you don't stop your opposition. You try and get it overturned at a later time. So the idea is that everyone has to fall in line uh, but when it comes to Catholic doctrine, oh, you know, you don't have to fall in line. You can do whatever you want. This is all about seizing power. They basically want to make themselves the head of the Church, 
and uh, they want to start in Germany but then expand throughout the world. It's um, it's a vain attempt, but it's serious because uh, you know, unfortunately, bishops who support this control dioceses and they can promote these ideas and then you know tell people, well, I'm your bishop, you must follow me. Now, Father, I've been uh, following the rise of this synodal way for over a year now, and it's been very concerning. And the question on my mind, and I'm sure on many people's minds, is how is this being allowed to happen? <laughs> Do you think that perhaps there is someone speaking out behind the scenes that we might not be seeing? Because I'm not seeing um, too much opposition from the hierarchy in public. Well, we've had opposition from Rome. Uh, Pope Francis uh, wrote a, do- a letter to the Germans, um, I think it's maybe a year and a half ago, in which he said to them, don't try and go too far. Uh, the, uh, there's a committee that monitors canon law in the Roman Curia, and uh, they wrote to the synodal way, criticizing them and telling them they're not following canon law. Uh, but Cardinal Marx, who is uh, the Bishop of Munich, uh, and others have just been bullheaded and saying, we're going to go ahead and do this. So um, we're very fortunate that there are some good bishops in uh, Germany who have been fighting this, and they do make public statements against it, uh, but they're not the ones running the process. So it's usually the thing, uh, the person in charge sets the agenda, and if they don't want to listen, uh, then all you can do is criticize them and hope to shame them into uh, abandoning what's obviously self-destructive. Father Gerald Murray is our guest. He is uh, he's written this article on the Catholic thing. We'll link to it so you can read it in, in its entirety. It's called Germany's Schismatic Synodal Way. Father, uh, why Germany? Like, it, it does... Does this go back to the Reformation? I mean, like, why why Germany, among all the places on planet Earth, is seemingly this uh, uh, motivated, I guess is what I want to say, to to try to change the Church in such a dramatic way? Why Germany? Well, I think you're right when you take it back to the Protestant Reformation. Uh, the Catholics in Germany, uh, who have been faithful over the centuries, they had a you know a very serious approach uh, to defending Catholic doctrine, and we have some you know absolutely wonderful saints and apologists over the centuries. But more recently, um, and I guess you could say since the Second World War, uh, growing uh, the German Catholics have more or less coalesced into a Protestant uh, cultural and religious uh, way of seeing things, and. Uh, you know, combine that with the fact that you have a group in Germany who are lay people who are employed by the different dioceses who tend to be more radical and liberal. And um, this is all due to the fact that in Germany there's a church tax. So the German church gets you know, literally a couple of billion euros a year of taxes collected from all the Catholics in Germany, and then the bishops divide it up among the dioceses. And part of that money is used to pay bureaucrats. And as we know, bureaucrats have a lot of time, and they produce documents, and this is an example of it. Wow. All right, hold that thought. Father Gerald Murray is our guest. The Germany, uh, the Germans' schismatic synodal way is our conversation. Uh, we're going to have to go to a short break. We're going to come right back and continue this conversation. What are the effects worldwide to, and the implications of all of this? We'll ask him and uh, that much and that and much more coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. This is the Pope Paul VI Institute Minute with Dr. Tom Hilgers. On August 6, 1978, Pope Paul VI died. 
This was the Feast of the Transfiguration. After Mass that day, my wife Sue and I agreed that we needed to build a lasting memorial to Pope Paul VI and his encyclical letter, Humanae Vitae. It wasn't until 1985 that we were able to really open the doors of this Pope Paul VI Institute for the study of human reproduction. The Institute is now the home of the Creighton Model System, which is a moral means and an extremely accurate means for fertility regulation, unlike the old rhythm method. The Institute is the home of NAPRA technology. It is a home of science at the service of the human person. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tom Hilgers. For a complimentary gift and more information on the Pope Paul VI Institute, log on to www.popepaulvi6.com. Hi, this is Dave Palmer inviting you to join me and Cecil Anderson each Friday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 o'clock Eastern Time for a new program here on the Guadalupe Radio Network called Back to the Father, which is based on the teachings of the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologia. Each week we talk about how a life focused on our final end is a life that is more joyful and more hopeful as we journey back to the Father. Please join us this Friday at 4 p.m. Central here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain, so good to be on with you. Father Gerald Murray is our guest. He is a uh, canon lawyer, he's a pastor of a parish in New York City. He's also part of the Papal Posse on Raymond Dororio's World Over Live, and we're talking about his article over on the Catholic thing, Germany's Schismatic Synodal Way. Father Murray, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Joe. I would like to uh, ask you... Um, why, 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 if they want to go down the crazy road, uh, the, the bishops in, in Germany, and they want to really li- modernize or liberalize uh, the church and her doctrines and her approach to LGBTQ issues and to marriage and uh, divorce and ecumenism and all of that, it seems like all of that has already been done in the Anglican side, you know, in, in the Episcopalians and among the Protestants. Why don't just join them? Why force the Catholics to change? Well, you know, this is a sad reality that people, um, these bishops are in charge of their diocese in Germany, uh, and they want to stay in charge, and but they want to have this new radical way of doing things. Uh, if they were to abandon the Catholic Church, they would lose uh, everything. They would be, you know, just individuals in search of some kind of new authority. So they're basically subversives out in the open. Uh, they have, they're bound by their oath. Bishops have to support Catholic doctrine. Canon law requires them to be teachers of the faith. And here they are. Some of the German bishops have come out saying that the Church should have a blessing ceremony for so-called same-sex marriages or homosexual unions. Others are saying that the Catholic Church has to change her teaching and say that homosexuality is no longer a, uh, homosexual activity is no longer a sin. Um, th- this, is, this is overthrowing Catholic teaching, and it's a great disservice. And bishops who do this need to be called on the carpet and said, look, you are a Catholic bishop. You are not inventing the religion. You're transmitting what Christ gave to the apostles. If you don't do that, you need, you're going to be disciplined. Uh, and, but the preferable thing is that you repent and return to Catholic unity. That's what we really need. Now, along those lines, Father, how likely do you think a schism is? Do you think that the German Church will? Is it likely that they will separate from the Roman Catholic Church? 
I don't believe a schism is going to happen where they're going to, uh, you know, leave the church. Um, but what will happen, hopefully, is that Rome will say to the bishops, you must withdraw these proposals, you must stop going in this direction, and if you don't, then we're going to have to remove you from your diocese. Uh, that's what needs to happen if they don't uh, basically, through, through fraternal correction, realize they're going down the wrong path. Uh, we hope that happens because it's, it's intolerable to have a group of bishops in the Catholic Church who are trying to undermine what the rest of the bishops are teaching, and that's really what's going on here. Do you think that will happen? Do you think there's any real chance that it will get to that point? Well, we'll see. I don't, you know, the, the, the crystal ball is not, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's got their ideas about the future. We don't know. I, I certainly, the Pope has expressed his dissatisfaction with this in the past, and I hope he will continue to do that, but now exercise his papal authority and tell them to stop. Uh, because, you know, it's really a shame that we have to be discussing this matter uh, when this matter should not be even be brought up. I mean, the idea that a group of Catholic bishops would promote the idea that uh, everybody from Pope down to parish priest should be elected by the, the faithful and then can be removed from office if they're not if the faithful aren't happy with them. I mean, this is ridiculous. This has nothing to do with Christ, the Good Shepherd, founding his church on the apostles. It's so we'll see. Now, Father, for our listeners who might be asking, well, why don't we elect our leaders? Could you expand a little bit on the hierarchical nature of the church and why it works that way? Sure. Well, you know, the, the, the true shepherd is Christ. You know, he's the good shepherd who came from heaven in order to redeem us. He laid down his life for the sheep. And then before Christ ascended into heaven, uh, he appointed the twelve apostles to go out and, and spread the gospel, to administer the sacraments, and to govern the faithful. And then the apostles ordained their successors, and then we get the hierarchical structure of the bishops down to our own time. Uh, the bishops are assisted by priests and deacons in, in governing and sanctifying the people in their diocese. So the Catholic Church is not, uh, wasn't founded because when after Christ ascended in heaven, the apostles said, well, what do we do now? Uh, maybe we'll start an organization to promote the teachings of Jesus. No, Christ sent them out, and uh, that's how the Church is. It's, it's, it's God-centered, it's not man-centered. Father Gerald Murray is our guest this hour. We have about another uh, seven minutes or so with him. We're talking about uh, Germany's schismatic synodal way and the implications of that. And uh, Father, uh, so let's just go down a hypothetical path here for one moment. Let's just say they go through with all of this synodal stuff and they implement all the crazy stuff that they are talking about implementing in that scenario and in the scenario where they're, they, they aren't removed from their diocese, or none of that happens. What will be the effects of that scenario on the rest of the Church worldwide? Well, this will cause great strife because, um, for instance, they want to ordain women to the priesthood. So if a German bishop went ahead and did that, uh, he would be excommunicated because that's a heretical act. The Catholic Church teaches that it is impossible to ordain a woman a priest, so therefore he would be uh, simulating a sacrament. He would be committing an act that has no, no value to it, it's, it's except as a rejection of Catholic teaching, and that's not the mission of a bishop. So this would cause strife, because some people would say, this man's a heretic, he's no longer the bishop, he loses office, and others would say, no, 
He's just a bold innovator who's, you know, leading the church in the right direction. So there would be strife and fighting. That's what has to be avoided. Um, you know, the tranquility and peace of the of the flock is the duty of the shepherds. The Pope is the chief shepherd on earth, and we would, uh, you know, encourage him vigorously to prevent that from ever happening. So um, we'll see what happens, but I can certainly say getting this message out to people uh, will allow them to understand how serious the threat is, that this is not just a group of Germans who want to improve things. This is a group of Germans who want to overthrow the Catholic Church as given to us by Christ. Let me ask you one follow-up question to that, then. So, in the scenario where they become schismatic and they break away, similar to Henry VIII in England and the Anglicans and whatnot, in that scenario, do you think that there will be a sort of a, a trend there where there'll be more schismatic efforts in the United States or anywhere else around the world? Do you think that would become more of a trend in the Church? Well, there are certainly, you know, groups in the Church that promote these ideas. I mean, we have people in the United States uh, promoting the idea that the Church should normalize homosexuality and, and bless uh, so-called same-sex marriages. So those people will be encouraged, but, you know, Catholic unity is one of the precious gifts that Christ has given to the Church, and the ordinary faithful, by and large, uh, are not affected by these ideas, thank God. Now, as time goes on, and we know from the history of the Protestant Reformation, if you don't defend Catholic truth and then, you know, maintain the hierarchy as the, as the faithful leaders of the Church, then you can have dissolution and you can have, you know, groups taking over. So, uh, you know, Catholicism died, for instance, in the Nordic countries uh, because basically the Lutherans were able to spread and the Catholic opposition was not strong enough. So, I hope that doesn't happen, but uh, I, I have confidence that the Holy See uh, will intervene at, a, at some point, I hope it's soon, to say that this is not uh, faithful to the mission of the hierarchy in Germany to promote this uh, synodal way. Now, um, the, the Vatican announced that the Synod of Bishops will be having a Synod on Synodality in 2022. And now hearing about what's going on in the German church, this might raise alarm. So can you talk a little bit about how, um, what is a Synod? Why do we, um, why do we have them in the church? And how it's not necessarily a bad thing in itself, but the way it's being weaponized by the German church may be putting a bad taste in people's mouths when it comes to Synodality. Right. The Synod, historically, is a meeting of the bishops. It's a coming together of the bishops, and they also call other people to be with them to assist them. But it's essentially an exercise of Episcopal authority. Now, after the Vatican Council, uh, Pope Paul VI uh, introduced the Synod of Bishops, which was not a synod or a meeting of all the bishops of the world, but selected bishops. So it was sort of a representative assembly. But it doesn't have canonical authority to issue uh, doctrinal definitions and general laws for the church. It's a meeting to, uh, and the synod of bishops will happen, as you said, to discuss the very concept of what a synod is. The German synodal way really isn't a synod at all, because it's not a meeting of all the German bishops, and it's not a meeting really uh, that has any canonical authority, but they go ahead and do it because they can, they were told not to give it this, uh, you know, that they, they're not according to canon law what they're doing, but they ignore that. So 
it's very confusing because the word synod has its one meaning, but then it's appropriated for something that you know really is a pressure tactic. We have about uh, two minutes left in our conversation with Father Gerald Murray today about the uh, synod uh, in uh, Germany and uh, the craziness there. Father, uh, maybe last thought here. What what do we do about this? What are we supposed to be doing about this, especially as average lay folk? Right. Well, I mean, to be the first thing is to be informed, to know what's going on, and then uh, to make known, uh, you know, in whatever way you choose, that you are a faithful Catholic who wants to uphold Catholic teaching, and that you're vehemently opposed to this. Uh, you know, we have to recognize that a great uh, part of the sex abuse scandal in the church was uh, promoted uh, or was uh, propelled. Uh, the reaction was propelled by lay people getting upset and telling the bishops, we don't like what you're doing. In fact, we're horrified. So if, you know, the people understand uh, that this is wrong and then make that known to their bishops and to the Pope, uh, this is going to be very helpful. All right. Father Gerald Murray has been our guest, and uh, the Germany's Schismatic Synodal Way article over at The Catholic Thing has been our conversation, and we'll post a link to the article itself so you can read it. But, uh, Father Murray, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thank you. All right, God love you. Have a great day, Father. All right, that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. We're glad that you were able to uh, be a part of the program. If you can join us in the next hour, we would surely love to have you on. Uh, We have the game show, and we're giving out a $200 value prize pack from Tan Publishing on the Life of Christ, the Blessed Anne Emmerich series. And somebody's going to win that today. So join us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or on the uh, the GRN. One way or another, we'd love to have you on. God love you. God bless you. If you can't join us, we'll see you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In Romans chapter 3, it says that none is righteous and that all have sinned. But the Catholic Church teaches that Mary is without sin. How can that be? Romans 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Yet James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If absolutely no one is righteous, then who is James talking about? Luke chapter 1 says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous before God. If absolutely no one is righteous, then how can that be? Is scripture contradicting itself? No, the folks who interpret Romans as saying absolutely without exception no one is righteous are misinterpreting that passage. They are failing to realize that the key to understanding Romans 3.10 is the phrase, it is written. Here in Romans, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament, Psalm 14 to be exact. In Psalm 14, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. There is none that does good. But then that same psalm goes on to talk about the righteous. Well, if none has done good, who are the righteous people the psalm is talking about? Obviously, when the psalmist says that none is good, he is talking about the fools who say there is no God. He is not talking about absolutely everyone. Just so Paul, when he quotes from this psalm, Paul is not saying absolutely no one is righteous. If he was, 
then how do you explain all the Old and New Testament passages that refer to the righteous? In Romans 3.11, it says that no one seeks for God. Does that mean that absolutely no one is seeking God? No, to interpret it that way would be ludicrous. Just so verse 23, which says that all have sinned. Babies haven't sinned, have they? Little children haven't sinned, have they? No, this is not an absolute. There are exceptions. So it is perfectly legitimate to say that these passages from Romans, when interpreted in context, in no way conflict with the church's teaching on Mary being without sin. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I heard that the GRN is raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Miyagi loves support Catholic Radio on GRN. Where can you get tickets? Thing called Internet. <laughs> Go to grnonline.com. One ticket, $25. Five ticket, $100. Drawing in the March 1st. Name drawn March 4th. What are you going to do if you win? Give to you. Practice. Wax on, wax off. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. And I have breaking news. Breaking news right now. It's first you've ever heard of it. The Catholic Drive Time Show has officially gone international. We have a listener uh, hanging out with us of, uh, from Canada, of all places. Uh, and I think on Twitter too, right, Adrian? That's right. It's like a double banger right there. It's a, it's a win-win for us. We get a listener on Twitter and from Canada. Praise be to God. We're very, very grateful to you, Miyaka. Thank you for watching today. God love you. Uh, and if you're hanging out with us on any of our social platforms, please do comment and let us know. We love to uh, to acknowledge you. But if you're hanging out with us on the Guadalupe Radio Network this morning, well, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program. Uh, and don't forget to download the mobile app. You can find that on your iOS and Android store just by searching for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, you can listen to the show live, your local Catholic radio station, get the podcast and so much more right on your mobile app. So make sure you download that. And And I think... The time is running out fast on the car raffle, too. I should mention that. We're trying to give somebody a, a Mercedes, and uh, we'll, we're going to draw a winner on the Mercedes next week. So I think Monday's the cutoff. So if you want your tickets, go to grnonline.com. Get them today. A great way to support this radio postulate and possibly win a very cool car. Uh, the team is here. Good morning to Emily. Good morning, Joe. Happy Friday. Yeah, praise be to God. We survived it. Uh, Father Gerald Murray was great. He was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I understand what's going on in the church anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, can you understand crazy? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> One can truly understand crazy. But uh, Father Gerald Murray did a pretty good job of trying to explain a sort of the, the what's at stake at, at any rate. And we'll post just that conversation because we just finished it later today on our Facebook and Rumble accounts. You can find everything linked up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, in this hour, though, today's the big day, Emily. Uh, That's right. We pull the winner. <gasps> That's right. So exciting. And uh, to, the prize pack is massive today. 
huge. Biggest prize ever, $200 book set of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's visions, mystical visions. So yeah, you don't want to call God. in. Uh, my personal favorite from Anne Catherine Emmerich is The Life of Our Lady as a Child. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. very beautiful. And how uh, St. Joseph became her betrothed, too. It's uh, pretty amazing. So some lucky uh, Catholic Drive Time listeners going to have their name pulled out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence today. But we will have three more chances to get in on the drawing before that happens. So you'll have to be ready to go with the phone number uh, when we start the game show. Well, well I will give it out. Then, but we're going to do uh, breaking news and stories. We have uh, Stand the Day and Gospel of the Day, plus, we'll have the after show as well today. So, there's still a lot of Catholic drive time headed your way. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to take your intentions, dear listener, and combine them with ours. And we're going to ask Our Lady to intercede for all of us today our whole country, our world, conversion of sinners. And, uh, and peace, peace and holiness during this holy season of Lent. Let's uh, begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Yesterday, the House passed the Equality Act, a bill that the U.S. bishops have warned would trample religious freedom protections while codifying gender ideology in federal law. The legislation, sponsored by Representative David Cicilline, recognizes sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes under the civil rights law and forbids discrimination on the basis of those classes in a number of areas. The U.S. Bishops Conference has opposed the legislation, saying it upholds gender ideology and the redefinition of marriage and frames gender as simply a social construct. The bill would punish religious groups opposed to these beliefs. The legislation prevents religious freedom claims from being made by individuals and groups under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. A Canadian church is continuing to hold Sunday services in violation of COVID restrictions. In solidarity with Alberta pastor James Coates, who is in jail for preaching to his flock amid lockdowns, another faith leader has defied COVID rules that restrict service sizes with a service held last Sunday, saying we cannot comply with rules that make what we essentially do as a church impossible. Tim Stevens, who serves as senior pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, said in a press release, we're not against all rules and health measures. However, we cannot comply with rules that make what we essentially do as a church impossible. And to be clear, it is Jesus Christ, not civil government, who defines what is essential for the gathered church. Fairview Baptist has been cited with a total of seven violations by Alberta Health Services inspectors and was fined $1,200. Witnesses at the fifth hearing in a trial for alleged abuse and cover-up at a Vatican Youth Seminary testified on Wednesday to an unhealthy culture of ridicule and abuse of power. The witnesses also alleged that reports of sexual abuse were ignored or dismissed by authority figures, including the cardinal in charge of St. Peter's Basilica. Located inside Vatican City State, the Pius X pre-seminary is a residence for boys who serve at papal masses and are considering the priesthood. The pre-seminary is run by a religious group, the Opera Don Folci. Three former students testified that the environment was unhealthy and accused a former student of sexual abuse, which was then ignored by the rector. 
And in Mexico, a man died while kneeling in a church on Sunday. Juan, a man who was in his 60s, entered the church and made his way up to the center aisle on his knees and then collapsed at the foot of the altar. The sacristan then called an ambulance, but Juan was dead within minutes. Mexican law states that when a person dies outside of a hospital, the body cannot be removed until the coroner and local prosecutor come to examine the body. The pastor, Father Said Lozano, went on to celebrate the regularly scheduled mass as a funeral mass for Juan, whose body remained in the center aisle covered by a white sheet. Father Lozano and his parishioners were very moved that Juan had come to the house of God to take his final breath. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Martino Martini, pray for us. Born in the late 12th century in Lisbon, Portugal, he was a convert to Christianity. He joined the Franciscans, though he never made a solemn profession or became a friar. He did most of the menial tasks around the convent of San Francisco in Lisbon there. He went barefoot. He lived off very little food, mostly just bread and water, and he spent all of his free time in prayer. In fact, it was often said and found that instead of doing the cooking, which was one of his tasks, he would be caught up in ecstasy and prayer. And it got bad, I guess. But at one point, a friar walked into the kitchen, hoping to find uh, Martini cooking, but instead found him uh, in ecstasy, in prayer, and angels doing the cooking for him. So he was obviously a mystic as well. He died in 1249 in Lisbon, Portugal, of natural causes. Blessed Martino Martini, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly, while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in the commentaries today, there's a great parallel going on between Moses and Jesus. Moses was given the law by God and, and he interpreted the law for the people, but he communicated it to them. But Jesus is something more. Even though uh, we might recall Moses himself says, one greater than I from among you will come. That was a reference to the Messiah. Well, it, he's come. It's Jesus. But notice what Jesus does. He doesn't just interpret the law. He doesn't just communicate the law. He gives it its pen ultimate understanding. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, but I say to you, and then wow, he is making himself equal to God. This is a powerful uh, revelation that I think we should stop and ponder on and then take to heart what he's saying here. And notice the, the progression here. 
right? Uh, especially in the, uh, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. It goes from judgment to Sanhedrin, which is counsel, to the hellfires of Gehenna, the valley of Gehenna, which was the place where they sacrificed babies to pagan gods. And that is why they only burned their trash there. And there was a constant fire going to burn the trash. And that is the image Jesus gives us today. It's powerful. In the old law, it was designed to set the Israelites apart, to make them distinct from their Gentile neighbors, and, and to save them from their, the sins of the Gentile neighbors. So the old law made them good citizens, but the new law makes them saints, makes them holy. And that is the ultimate mission. That is why Jesus gives us this, because it's not good enough for us to just follow the law and just be, be okay. But no, we have to be holy. We have to seek true righteousness. We want to strive for heaven itself. That is the mission, to get to heaven. And it is a powerful uh, opportunity for us in this holy season of Lent to meditate and chew on this. Adrian? Yes. So, the uh, <laughs> Father Lapide, Cornelius Lapide, has like 10 pages to talk about just the word uh, raka, on whether what it means, uh, referring to anger versus foolishness versus a dozen other things. So hopefully we can talk about that after, in the after show. But the thing that I think is important to focus on is the idea that the, San, the Sadducees and Pharisees were considered righteous by God. God recognized them and said, yes, they are righteous. But my disciples, the people of the New Testament, the Christians, they are called to an even higher law than that of the, fa- the Pharisees and Sadducees. Almost combine that to Pharisees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, and so he gives the example of being angry. He said, thou shalt not kill. Many thought that by this law, only murder was forbidden. But Christ here teaches that by it, even all angry words, blows, reproaches are forbidden for such things as it were lead to a road to homicide. Uh, so here we're called to a higher law, whereas the old law says, don't murder people. Now our Lord is saying, don't even be angry at your brother to cast away anger. So I think that's a, an important thing to, uh, to note for that. Right. I think a lot of people um, who are not catechized think that if as long as I don't kill anybody, then I'm a good person. You know, you hear that very often <laughs> from people. As long as I don't kill anyone, I just do my thing, mind my business, then I'll, I'll be fine. I'll go to heaven. Um, well, there's a lot more to it than that. And um, it's incredible here that Jesus is holding his disciples who were manual laborers, who were fishermen and tax collectors. He's holding them to a higher standard than these Pharisees who had been educated in the law and who were seen as leaders in the community. And Jesus is saying, no, true leadership doesn't mean you're in a position of power. It means you live your virtue and holiness in every action. Mm. And so, yeah, amen. very powerful stuff. Do you guys remember that joke Fulton Sheen would make about uh, confessions and murder? He's only hearing uh, murder cases today, boys. You remember that joke? We got to find that no. joke. Uh, maybe in the after show, we can, we can dig up the uh, YouTube video clip of him telling that joke and we'll play it in the after show or something. Uh, but all right, so that's going to do it for saying the day gospel of day today. Uh, you know, I almost slipped and congratulated Monica over on YouTube for <laughs> her tenth child, uh, but it's not actually had she's about to have her fifth child. Praise be to God! It'll be the tenth grandbaby for her mom, and that's cool today. So congratulations, Monica, uh, on your child. We'll be praying for a, a happy and safe delivery as well. But the, all right, we're going to go to a break here in just a moment, and uh, today's the big day on the game show, right? So. It's a $200 prize pack. It's kind of a big deal. And the last three chances to get in on that are right now. So I'm going to give you the number. 
And the first caller gets to be the contestant. Get those last three chances. $200 value on the prize today. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening! Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Tribbling, our Catholic Trivia game show, where we have a good time and we get to teach a little bit about the faith. We have a laugh and prizes are involved. So it's always a lot of fun. Uh, now, here's the deal. Uh, there's a ton of calls that came through. So praise be to God. Can I just say thank you to everyone who's tried to call in? We take the first one. Uh, so next week, new prize, new opportunity. There's always a chance to win next week, too. So we just have to say sorry for those that didn't make it on the show, but we'll take the first caller here in just a second. Now, this is the way the game works in case you're just joining us and you're like, what is going on now? All right, so we have a, a, this Catholic trivia. So I have three questions in my hand. Now, the, the trick is I do not ask the caller. I ask Emily and Adrian all of the questions. Emily and Adrian will answer. One will have a right and one will have a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian, and then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize pack. Tell them what they could win, Emily. 
This week's mega prize from our sponsor, Tan Books, is The Life of Jesus Christ and Biblical Revelations from the Visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. So this is a complete hardcover set of four books from the uh, 19th century mystic Anne Catherine Emmerich. And um, we're giving away that set today, but it is also on sale. If you go to tanbooks.com, if you really want the set and you weren't able to win it this week, it's on sale for 40% off on their website. All right. Praise be to God. Again, full phone lines today. So thank you to everybody, uh, you know, who tried to call in today. But uh, good morning to you, Nick. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Hey, good morning. Praise be to God, Nick. We're very grateful that uh, you, you, were, you made it on to the first call today. You were uh, Johnny on the spot with a phone number there. So congratulations. Where are you calling from? Thank you. Calling from San Antonio. It's a very popular town for us, uh, San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and what church do you go to there, Nick? Uh, right now, we, you know, we're kind of new to the area, so we're, we're still shopping. Praise be to God. Where, what, where are you from originally? Uh, Austin, Texas, and we were at uh, Hill Country Bible. Hey, now. Well, Nick, we're very grateful that you're a part of the show today. And uh, have, have you listened before? Do you, do you know the rules and how the game is played? No, I, I haven't caught the game. I, I really enjoy the, the talk show part, but I haven't uh, got to hear about the game. All right. So this is how it works, Nick. i got three Catholic trivia questions in my hand, and but I won't ask you these questions. I'm going to ask Emily, and I'm going to ask Adrian, and one of them will have a right answer, and the other will be wrong. And you will have 15 seconds to decide who do you trust more, Emily or Adrian. And then every right answer goes into today's drawing for the, the prize pack from TAM Publishing. So sound like a fair deal? Outstanding, yep. All right, so just keep a careful ear because the, the, one of them will be trying to fool you at all times. So 50-50 shot here. Let's go. Emily, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Emily, can you tell me, is knowledge one of the cardinal virtues? Okay, so is this just like a yes or no? Yeah, um, sure. Uh, cardinal virtues. Okay. I'm, I think it is. I think I remember um, knowledge is one of the cardinal virtues. I'm going to go with yes. You're going to go with yes. Are you sure? Uh. <laughs> it could be. It <laughs> could be. could be. Okay, so let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, is knowledge one of the cardinal virtues? I mean, if it's a yes or no question, there's a 50-50 chance, so I'm going to go with no. <laughs> I didn't leave you many options. <laughs> opposite. Opposite of what Emily says. Okay, so... Adrian is on the hook for no, and Emily is on the hook for yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Nick, what say you? I'm going to say that it's false. It's not. So I'm going to go Adrian. Survey says... Congratulations, Nick. You are not fooled at all. Praise be to God. You are you are in the coffee cup of divine providence now. So uh, you have a shot at today's big prize pack. So congratulations well, to you, Nick. All right. Are you ready for your second question there, Nick? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Adrian, then this could be tricky. This is a tricky question, uh -oh. so here we go. Adrian, continence, continence refers to the restraint from, from the enjoyment of what? Let me ask that again. Continence refers to the restraint from the enjoyment of what? Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to go with abstaining 
from the licit gratifications of marriage. Very specific. Could be, could be abstaining from the the licit gratification, meaning the allowable gratifications of marriage. All right, let's see what uh, Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me continence refers to the restraint from the enjoyment of what? Um, I'm. I think I remember. So slightly different. I'm going to say abstaining from the licit gratifications of eating food and eating. Food and eating. Are you sure? I think so. Okay. Let's see what. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what we get here. So Emily is on the hook from abstaining from food and eating, or the the, the proper legal abstaining from lo- food and e- eating. And Adrian is on the hook from abstaining from the gratifications due to marriage. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Emily or Adrian? Nick, what say you? I'm gonna go Adrian again. Survey says. Wow, hey, two, out of two so two, far. And I honestly thought that was the tricky, really tricky We're giving question. you no clues, and yeah, you're just winning. <laughs> so continence and abstinence, you know, great opportunities to, uh, to you know, I, I would always say, have penance in our in our marriages to go through a yeah. seasons of abstinence there. Usually done during Lent. Yep, done to, during to Lent, for sure. focus on the eternal and spiritual. To give up a good for a greater good. All right, yes. here we go. Third question. Emily, back to you. Are you ready? Okie dokie. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Emily, what term refers to the most solemn and weighty form of a papal letter? A papal letter, so something that the Pope writes. Um, this is called a papal bull, which sounds yeah. funny, but you've probably heard this before. Okay, a papal bull. Right. All right, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what term refers to the most solemn and weighty form of a papal letter? Uh, well, a bull. I'm pretty sure that's an animal. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, so I'm going to go with a, let's see, an infallible statement, a ex-cathedra statement. Ex-cathedra oh. statement. Ooh. Sounds formal. <laughs> is it right? Who knows? Let's see. Adrian is on the hook for ex-cathedra statement, and Emily is on the hook for a bull, a papal bull. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Nick, what say you? I say Emily. Survey says. Whoa! No, oh my goodness! <laughs> three for three. I think these gonna score. These are probably our hardest questions yeah, ever. Probably, <laughs> I think so. We need like a, a matchup between Nick and Kathy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was all stars. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Nick! Three chances in the coffee cup this uh, this morning. How do you feel? I feel great. I feel blessed. Thank you, guys. Praise be to God, Nick. Well, we're very grateful to you. Now, I don't think a papal bulls are issued all that often anymore, Adrian. Are they? Uh, not, not really. There hasn't been one in a while, but they uh, they do still happen. They do still happen. All right. Nick, we are going to uh, place you on hold because today is the big day where we have to pull a winner. So uh, we're going to put you on hold. And if you your name is pulled out of the coffee cup, then we'll bring you back on air and we'll congratulate. But uh, it, it's called the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence because we just don't know whose name is going to get picked. Now, Emily, if you could shake that up really good and make it as fair as possible and then pull us out a winner for the prize pack. Okay. I'm closing my eyes. All right, this is God's will. We have a name. No way, it's Nick. Come on. Nick, congratulations. Wow. <laughs> All right. There we go. Praise be to God. Nick, welcome. Nick, you, you won. Your name was just pulled out of the coffee cup. How do you feel? Nick, I, great. <laughs> I thought no, we lost you there, I, Nick. I was... 
No, I was trying to make sure uh, I was hearing the right thing. I'm excited. Well, praise be to God. We want to thank Tan Publishing for sponsoring this week's prize pack. $200 value. It's the life of Christ. It's the entire series of the, uh, of uh, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's uh, visions on our life, on our Lord's life and our lady and St. Joseph. It's just a beautiful set. And, uh, we're going to connect you to Tan and they're going to ship you this set, uh, free of charge as, uh, as a prize. So thank you, Nick, for being on our show today. It was so, so much fun to have you on. It was fun. Thank you guys for being on here. All right. I'm going to put you back on hold, Nick, so that we can get your information, and that's going to going to do it. Praise God. That was fun. That uh, was fun. Yeah, praise yeah. God. Nick did a really great job. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to do it for today's radio side of our show. The Holy Mass will begin here in a couple of minutes, uh, broadcast out of Corpus Christi, Texas. And if you're going to Mass today on the radio, please do keep us in your prayers. We appreciate that. We pray for your intentions as well. But if you can join us in the after show, we surely would love to have you. Um, just make sure that you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Or I suppose if you're hanging out on one of the many platforms uh, that we cross-post to, like Gab and Parler and SP3RN and, and those types of things, um, maybe you let us know somehow that way too. I'm not sure how because we're not looking at the comments anywhere there. But uh, we'll be hanging out for a little while here so on the after carrier show. Pigeon. Carrier, can can you, we still do carrier pigeons? Let's bring it back. I'll, I'll crack the I'll crack the window open. <laughs> we need we need like a T-shirt uh, campaign. Bring back carrier pigeons. Uh, all right, so that's what's uh, on the agenda today is the after show where we discuss the show. It becomes a very organic conversation. Wherever you want to lead it, we will go there. So you can comment where you're from, what's on your mind, and anything about the show, and we will we'll comment about that. We'll read your comments on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. So comment there. Let us know you're watching or where you're from. And we'll have that fun conversation with you in the after show. That's going to do it for this week of Catholic Drive Time. Next week, we have the Youth Apologetics back on Monday. I tried to interview them last week and then got cut off right at the beginning of our conversation. The power went out and we were off the air. So we invited them back so we can have that conversation. So I'm looking forward to that on Monday. The Youth Apologetics crew. Plus, so much more coming up in next week's Catholic Drive Time for interviews and conversation and so much more. And a whole new game show as well. So don't forget that uh, Mercedes drawing comes to an end on Monday or on the 1st. So go to grnonline.com to get your raffle tickets before it's too late. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you in the after show, and we'll see you on Monday. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. All right, welcome to the after show here on uh, the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Drive Time. So good to have you on with us today. If you're hanging out again, please comment. Let us know where you're uh, where you're from and where you're listening. Any questions or comments? We'd love to, to hang out with you, uh, Valentin. Good morning to you. It's good to see you there on YouTube. I, I saw you right at the end of the show yesterday, and we didn't get a chance to to say hello to you. Of course, I see Mr. Thomas. Good morning from Florida. Thank you. Good morning to you, uh, Mr. Thomas. It's good to see you. Uh, Kathy, our friend from Danvers, Massachusetts, 
is uh, on the show. And she won one of the uh, downloads of Prey yesterday. That's super cool. Uh, what else? I see Monica, of course. We mentioned Monica's uh, having her fifth child. Praise be to God. Congratulations, Monica. And we have Lori on Facebook asking, is Parlor back? Yes, Parlor is back. Now it's it's uh it's a little wonky. I mean it was wonky before to be honest <laughs> with you, but it's it's still wonky, I guess. So the thing about Parlor is uh if you did not delete the app from your phone, it, it works again. Uh but you ha- it's it it took a while for it to start working cuz they once they came back online some people got access sooner than others. I'm sure based on the size of the accounts and since mine is so teeny that uh, it took a while, but it did eventually work. I had to sign out, sign in, and it eventually did start working again. So my phone app works. I can obviously go to their website and sign in there. Um, my iPad app for Parler is not working. So I guess there's two different apps. But Parler's back. Not much... Uh, I mean, there's, I, I was not overly excited about Parlor to begin with. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm still not convinced, but I'm still hanging out there. I'm still posting there. Um, at any rate, I'm also posting to Gab. I, I post to SP3RN. I share the show on LinkedIn. I share the show on um, uh, even Pinterest. I've started sharing uh, on Pinterest again. Not that we're getting any audience from Pinterest, but... Uh, so what else, what else do I share? It that's pretty pretty much the main ones. It'd be great if we if we had someone who was big on Reddit that would share our content on Reddit. I got in trouble for sharing content on Reddit back in the day. I'm scared of Reddit. Twitter's as far as I'll go. <laughs> so Reddit's the dark world. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I got in trouble. I I used to run a uh, I used to produce a lot of uh, traditional archery content on YouTube, and I still have channels that. I get a lot of watch time. I get a lot of subscribers. I haven't posted content there in a long time. But back in the day, when I was doing that every week, I would promote my content on Reddit, and then I got lambasted for being a spammer. They're like, you can't just post your content here. I'm like, why not? <laughs> They're like, because that's not how it works. And I said, but but I want to share my content with people who like traditional archery, and they're here. Why can't I do that? <laughs> so I got a little tit for tat with the forum. It was kind of funny. Um. What else? Who else? Kathy, earlier on, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but she said, Good morning, all. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So that was very sweet. Yeah, praise God. Kathy, I'm uh, Ka- oh, sorry, go ahead. The, and uh, Jesus said uh, that he thinks that he should get extra credit because of the difficulty of the questions. And, well, I mean, he got extra credit. He won. He won. <laughs> he won. Nick so, won. Yeah. Praise be to God. Praise yeah, be those to were, God. Those were really difficult questions. I, I, they were tricky. Uh, very tricky they questions. Were tricky. And I think uh, me and Emily gave tricky answers, too. So. Yeah, we you went did. hard you today. Did, you <laughs> did not have any mercy for poor Nick, but he did not. He wasn't faced. He, he, he truly earned it. <laughs> he took him like a champ. Darren, hanging out with us on YouTube side, says, at home vacationing today in Louisville, Texas. Great to nice. be able to be on with you today. Hello, well, Darren. Good morning, Darren. It's so, it's so great to meet you and to hang out with you. Kathy last night told me, because she was one of the winners for the download for the Prey movie, and she said uh, it took her longer to download and install iTunes than it did to watch the film. <laughs> but uh, I'm so glad you got to watch the film, Kathy. Praise God for that. And if you did get the film, let us know what you thought, or if you watch it, um, even if we didn't send it to you. Yeah, amen. Chris Velasquez on YouTube says, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Praise be to Agreed. God. Agreed. Yeah. Did y'all read uh, Mr. Thomas's question? No. 
No, uh, not yet. He said, uh, it is false because the Bible, I think, says that God makes fools of those who are knowledgeable and the powerful. I guess that wasn't a question. Um, but is he referring the to the question, one of the questions of the, of the show? I'm not sure. I missed that when he commented that. Um, but it's true. Um, in our in her Magnificat, our, lady, our Blessed Mother says he will cast down the mighty. God love you, Angelo. Thanks for hanging out with us today. You're headed off to work. We're, we're always grateful that uh, he was also one of the uh, winners of the uh, Prey movie. So hopefully uh, you had a good opportunity to enjoy that film, Angelo. Thank you for, for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. I think it was super cool that we had a listener uh, from Canada. She said uh, on Twitter, of all places, and uh, Twitter, she said that she was from Eskimo land in Canada. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Uh, Man, so we were excited awesome. when we had someone from California. This is huge. I know, right? That means we can ca- start calling ourselves an international show. I, I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think. An international show. Uh, I can't see the comments on Twitter. Like, how do I actually physically see the comments? Uh, not sure. It pops up on mine. That's wild. I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm there. But I don't see any comments. So it's wild how you can't. Huh. I don't know. But I'm glad. Praise God. That's movement. We were having nothing there. Now it's great to have something there. Praise be to Jesus. Um, it was a lot of fun giving away that movie yesterday. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I see Tony. On YouTube, on Facebook side, says, God bless. Thanks for the links. Plenty of info. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Oh, I wanted to uh, talk about Cornelius Lapide's commentary on on Raka. Oh, Raka. The six translations. I like the way you roll your tongue all of a sudden. Raka. All of a sudden. Yeah. All of a sudden. Like all out of nowhere. Raka. You know, just. (laughs) Maybe not not that that, that, uh, extravagant. Okay. Uh, Let's see. He says, so it, it's quite interesting because he has like a million different um, translations for this. Uh, and he, oh, and he makes a, uh, a million, a million, <laughs> a million, no exaggeration, exactly a million, <laughs> not a million and one. Uh, so he, he also makes allusions to uh, the Greek tragedies, uh, talking about Homer's Achilles, Agamemnon, and Ajax. Wow. And their madness unto death, that anger is related to madness. Uh, so I thought that was interesting as well. But he said... But who's, who's, whoso shall say to his brother, Raka, Chrysostom thinks Raka here signifies thou as if one should say contemptuously to his neighbor, go thou about thy business. What wouldest thou to address anyone as though out of disrespect? Though, here's number two. The Aflisat says Raka means one worthy of being spat upon for Rok means spittle. But this would, uh, but this would be a worse form of reproach than to call any man a fool, which Christ has placed as the worst reproach. Number three, something graka here is Greek for ragged. Number four, and more probably, Saint Augustine, <coughs> Rupert, and Anselm, and others think graka is an interjection of despising and opposing, uh, with murmuring, shouting, and spitting, and wrinkling the brow, and so on of an evil despised disposed mind number five and last saint jerome angelus caninus and others think that raka is a hebrew word derived from empty though not in brain so and saint jerome says that it means something along the lines of man of straw and lastly george michaelis and maronite uh, says Raka is Syriac and has three meanings one a tortoise which animal was considered to be deformed by the Syrians and uh, and so it's abhorred. And two, that he has spit. And number three, 
with the uh, uh, dirty and despised. And so those are the uh, the seven, eight, nine <laughs> definitions. So all different, but none very pleasant. <laughs> no, all, oh, all the, the consensus is very not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the official a, a theolo- theological term. Not good. That yeah. is a technical term, actually. Technical term. Of yes. Not, not, not good. Not no bueno is no. A technical term. <laughs> no bueno. My you know, favorite Latin term. Ah, uh, I, I, I didn't mean to. Ch- I don't mean to change the subject, but I just saw this comment from Jesus Robles, and it caught my eye. So maybe we'll come back to it. But it says, "I don't know this," and he's referring to something that I don't know what he's referring to. <laughs> he's referring to the game show. But what? But what a part of the game show? Where he says, "I don't know this." I'm just curious what that. What it's hard there. to tell. Yeah. But raka, boy, that's uh, that's penetrating, isn't it? Boy, when uh, when uh, Jesus ramps it, th- ramps things up from judgment to hell. Uh, boy, it gets very serious very quickly. I wanted to look up a commentary here because I see Mr. Thomas has a question again about. Um, I'm guessing it's about Jesus asking his disciples to get the swords. And uh, do you see that? Yes, I, I see oh it. yeah. So I was trying to. Uh, See if I can't locate the commentary on that so we can get some uh, better clarification there. Yes, I'll read the question out for everyone listening. Uh, To be sincere, I am confused about the second commandment, says love your neighbor and turn your cheek. But on the other hand, Jesus inferred it was okay to own weapons. Can you clarify if you can, please? Uh, So regarding the turn the other cheek uh, portion of it. Uh, I actually did a paper on this in high school. It was actually kind of interesting. Uh, we had to, it was the, my first time doing um, biblical exegesis. So we spent uh, oh, like a month doing it because we were learning how to do it to begin with. And uh, what I noticed was turn the other cheek is not the idea that we have in the modern world. In the modern world, whenever we hear turn the other cheek, we kind of have the idea of like roll over, like just let let people run you over and be a doormat. That's kind of the connotation we get from turn the other cheek. But the ancient mind had a totally different understanding of this. Why is that? Because whenever someone would slap you, if you were slapped on the uh, with one direction, you would swing your hand and slap them across the face. In order to, if you turn the other cheek, in order for them to hit you again, they would have to either backhand you or use their left hand to slap you. Now, this was actually an act of protestation against the person who was uh, who would strike you because it is basically a peaceful protest, kind of like the way that Catholics do at rosary rallies and going outside of abortion clinics and praying. It's an act of protest, a peaceful protest. So whenever you're struck, you are able to have recourse because if they strike you backhanded, at that point, you now have recourse to the law. Whereas if they're struck uh, with a forehand, with their right hand forward, then you have no recourse to the law. It's purely just an act of disrespect and an act of injury towards you. But if they backhand you, now you have a regress to the law. Uh, the same thing occurs whenever uh, our Lord says, if a, if, a, if a soldier asks you to mark one mile with them, go another one. Uh, so same here. Whenever the uh, soldier The soldiers of the Roman Empire could ask any person that was not a Roman citizen, hey, you, you're going to come help, kind of like what they did with Simon and Cyrene, Cyrene, Mm -hmm. and and force them to march with them and help them, whatever it is, but only up to a certain distance. Anything beyond that, now they are violating the law, and and now you have recourse to the law. So if they ask you to do one, do the other, go further, and order that they can keep going, Mm. and then you can have regress to the law. And the same thing goes for the other one as well. He gives the example of the cloak. Um, the cloak was considered basically like your full garment. It was the only thing you owned. So if someone asked for your cloak, uh, give them 
all your clothes in order that you have regressed to the law. So it's very interesting that that's what had on our Lord uh, talking about that specifically. Joe, do you have anything about the uh, sword? Yeah, so I can I can read to you, Thomas, the uh, commentary from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible on the passage from uh, Luke chapter 22, verses, I think it's verse, this is the verse 35. Um, hold on one second, let me just find it here. No, it's verse, I think it's in verse 38, um, where Jesus talks about to the disciples to get the swords. And there's more of a metaphorical meaning behind it than uh, normal. And then I want to comment on um, on maybe the right to defense. You know, that could be another aspect of this conversation. But it says, uh, this is the commentary. I'm going to read from the commentary here. It says, it is enough, an expression of frustration. Uh, let me hold, hold on, let me back up. Let me read to you the actual verse. I'll start in verse 37 of Luke 22. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled. Fulfilled in me. Good grief. It's easy to say. And he was reckoned with transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. <clears throat> so I'm reading only a small part. You should go back and read more. Read the whole chapter of Luke 22. But in regards to the swords, it says, uh, Jesus spoke of swords metaphorically in uh, 22 verse 36 to warn of the coming spiritual battle. Some of the disciples took his words literally. Jesus will clarify his meaning in a subsequent episode when he rebukes Peter for violently defending him with a sword. So that's the commentary from the Catholic uh, Study Bible from the uh, New Testament. Very good. I love it. Uh, we talk about it quite a bit here. At least I do. I, I use it as a reference every day here What's on the, the show. Verse? What's the verse? What's the verse? 2236 of, of <clears throat> Luke. 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 Okay. Sorry for not being clear. Luke twenty two thirty six. I would read the entire chapter for greater clarity. Uh, if you back up to just thirty five and forward, then it, uh, that helps a little bit. But ultimately, uh, Jesus was using it metaphorically. The apostles uh, uh, took it literally. But at the end of the day, I think there's a, a sort of a sentiment here with Thomas. If I'm reading into it, Thomas, you're always welcome to clarify. Uh, it's, he says, to be sincere, I'm confused uh, because of the Second Amendment, command, Second Commandment, I said amendment, he says commandment, Second Commandment says, love your neighbor and turn your cheek, but on the other hand, Jesus inferred that it was okay to own weapons. Can you clarify, please? Well, <clears throat> on one hand, he's talking to his disciples. Remember, I think it was yesterday, the day before I said, when you read scripture, you really got to stop and ask yourself, who is being spoken to? Who is the primary receiver of what's being communicated in this passage? Too often, I think, I personally have all overlooked that and just assumed that every conversation pertains to me directly. Well, that's not the case. And in this case, Jesus is speaking directly to the disciples themselves in the upper room. You and I, reading this, are nothing more than a fly on the wall overhearing the conversation. Uh, so we get to be spectators, not receivers of this message. So there's one aspect to this. The disciples, their mission, uh, you know, I was, I remember we re-interviewed earlier this week, Colm Flynn from EWTN. You remember how he talked about interviewing that cardinal who was in Iraq? Right. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how, is it safe for the Pope? And he asked the cardinal that, and the cardinal's like, it's Iraq, it's not safe. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. but he also went on to say, I'm single, I have no wife, I have no children, mm. um, I give my life to the church. If I have to die, then that's, that's, the, that's the life, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the life for disciples. Uh, so what they are called to do is go and preach and even be martyred for the faith. And that's the life. You, they know what they're getting themselves into. They have to accept that. But let's take a father, a father who's married, has children. Well, his responsibilities are different. 
His responsibilities are to defend and protect his family. And so he may have to have weapons in order to do that. So there is a Catholic principle of self-defense that uh, is part of natural law that has always been um, uh, a truth that we embrace. It can be difficult because uh, I think modern thinking has made it seem that uh, weapons are always evil. Weapons are tools. Tools can, tools can be used for good or for bad. It's not the tool that's the problem. It's the intention uh, behind uh, the action. You know, I'm, I'm going through, yet again, I'm going through Trustful Surrender uh, to Divine Providence by St. Colombert with, uh, this time I'm doing it with my wife, so we're reading it together. The first section of this book, uh, which is powerful, is about understanding how God wills all things, or how God uh, allows all things. Uh, but you might say, but he could he allow evil? No, God is not the author of evil or sin. And yet God could, <clears throat> excuse me, allow someone to smack you and not still be a participant in the sinful action. How is that possible? Because swinging one's arm is not a sinful thing. But the intent behind that swing can be. And God is not responsible for the intent because he gives us free will. But he could allow the swinging of the arm to impact my face to bring about humility in me, which is better for me. So God can allow, God allows all things, but he's not the author of sin or of evil actions. We can never make him the author of evil actions. It's a distinction and it's really tough, but it's powerful because the ultimate, uh, bottom line of this book is as a trustful, sur to trustful surrender to divine providence is to accept all things that happen to you as though they come from God's hand, uh, whether good or bad. That doesn't negate, uh, prudential thinking prudential planning, that doesn't negate holding people accountable, it doesn't negate justice, this, the need for justice, it doesn't negate any of those things. It's just that if things happen to you, you accept them as though they're from God's hand. Um, so when it comes to self-defense, though, we have, a, we have a right, especially as a father and a husband, I have a duty and an obligation to protect my family, and, uh, that, and that requires sometimes the use of weapons. I don't know, Emily, Adrian, you're welcome to comment. Go ahead, Adrian. Uh, <laughs> yes, so the... Cornelius Lapide has a lot to say about this as well. And uh, before I get to that, though, Augustine uh, on this passage notes, there is no inconsistency then of him who commands, but by the reason of the dispensation, according to the diversity of times, our commandments, counsels, or permissions changed in regards to this passage. Because he's talking about how people would say, well, our Lord said buy a sword, but then later he <laughs> says put away the sword. Uh, so why is there, why does he say two things that seemingly are contradictory? Uh, Augustine makes a note, this is not a contradiction in terms. And it also must be noted that if we look at the history of the church and we see uh, what's happened in the church, we know that it was uh, banned that, uh, that clerics be, has shed blood. So even if, the, even though self-defense is legitimate, it was asked that clerics not shed blood because it would be not fitting for those hands which consecrate the body and blood of our Lord to shed blood themselves. And so even though a layperson could defend and a layperson could go to war, uh, it was always discouraged that priests would do so um, because of that, that higher life that is called to. 
Now, Cornelius Alapide, he has a lot to say here as well in regards to it. Uh, I'm going to read to you what he said. He said, quote, And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Christ in these words do not did not command to take a person a scrip and to sell their garments and buy a sword, for he soon after forbade Peter to draw his sword. But they were a warning of the fierce persecution which was about to fall upon himself and the apostles, which was so heavy to those that regarded the difficulty of the case with the eyes of mere human wisdom. And the meaning, therefore, is this. Everything so far has happened to you, O my apostles. Well, in proper... proper, I can't say words, prosperously. For when I sent you to preach the gospel without purse or script or sword, you were kindly received by most, fed and sheltered, and had no need of these things. But now, so grievous a persecution is impending upon you, and so great is the danger to you, to your lives, that in human prudence, it may seem necessary to each to think of the preservation of his life. But to me who weigh circumstances by the design and decree of God the Father, there is no need of these things, and I voluntarily go to the cross. Uh, so here he's saying, yes, and there is, there is prudence that must be taken into account, but for us clerics, us apostles, us, myself as Jesus Christ, I willingly lay down my life. Instead of defending my life, I lay it down for others. So there has to be a distinction between uh, the lay people, the clerics, uh, and we have to have prudence and whenever ever we make these decisions. Amen. Kathy, uh, over on uh, YouTube side, <laughs> she said something that made me laugh. She says, I'm, I'm amazed at how you youngins post on so many social media sites. I'm not on any social media sites and only started cha- chatting on CDT, my aging brain, brain can't keep up. I laughed because when I read that, I immediately thought of uh, just Adrian and Emily. I thought, wow, yeah, you're right. They are, you know, they're, they're very sharp, you know. And then I thought, I realized she probably means me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said, you're young, too. You're young to young me, Joe. Young and aging young and It's all relative, Kathy. I got two grandkids. So, <laughs> so I, I certainly don't identify as a youngin anymore. Identify. But, but, I, but I would love to. That'd be I identify awesome. as like 200. So 200. I'm actually the oldest person alive. You are, you're in a, a wise old per, uh, soul, as they say. Praise be to God. Well, hopefully that was helpful, Thomas. We're so grateful for your questions. They, uh, they're, really, uh, they're really good to talk about. Those are good talking points, so praise be to God for it. Uh, over back on Facebook side, Jesus did respond. You know, He said during the game show, I don't know this, but I didn't know what it meant. And he's saying it's about the continents question. So oh. uh, you know, the question was, um, continents refers to the restraint from the enjoyment of what? And the answer was abstinence. From even the licit gratifications of marriage, so the marital embrace, which is perfectly legal and allowed, right? So why would someone give up a good uh, at all? Why would why would we want to practice countenance, Emily or Adrian? Any any uh, insight there? Yes. So the the reason why that is is because it's always good to give up pleasure and also to look forward to the kingdom of God, in which in the kingdom of God there will be no giving and receiving in marriage. 
Uh, that's why our Lord said that. And that's also why in the marriage rite, we say till death do us part, because when we die, we are no longer married. Um, and so continence was actually a pretty common practice in the old church that during Lent, you did not uh, have sexual relations with your spouse. Um, and so that's actually, it's, it's kind of funny. I was listening to someone talk about this and they're saying, so you could tell who was uh, not able to fulfill that uh, during Lent by seeing uh, babies pop out nine months later. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Awkward. so it was actually pretty common to abstain from the sexual relations with your spouse during the Lenten season and during other penitential seasons. It also, uh, we, we know this now with uh, doing natural family planning that uh, abstinence from the sexual act uh, can actually deepen and uh, and grow the love between the spouses by a sense of uh, of holding oneself back in order for a greater good. So I think that's also it. Yeah, it does get kind of confusing because I've seen people use the three terms celibacy, abstinence, and continence interchangeably, but they actually all refer to different things. So it's good to make those distinctions. Valentin asks over on Facebook's or YouTube side rather, what's the best Roman missile to get? This could be tricky, Valentin. I'm not sure you're going to like your answer. But uh, here we go, Adrian. It, it really depends. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a it's a huge it depends question. Uh, by Roman missile, it also depends what you mean by Roman missile. If you mean by Roman missile, the uh, missile of the Novus Ordo mass, uh, I think they. Uh, I don't know that many of the missiles, uh, but you can find. Dozens of them. The Magnificat's great. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Magnificat. So yeah. that, that's a great thing. But if you're referring to the Roman missile, as in the the traditional Latin Mass missile, uh, I like the Angelus Press missile. Yes. Uh, Emily has the Father Lassans. Yeah, I have the Father Lassans. Um, and there's a tons of other ones. The Marian missile is also really good. The St. Andrew's missile is really good as well. Uh, but there are tons and tons of different mi- missiles. I would just uh, ask friends that you know that have them and see if what what uh, your friends are using because I, the best one that you're going to uh, the best one for you is the one you're going to use. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so yeah. if you pick up one that's completely foreign to you and you don't know anyone who uses it, mm-hmm. you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to be able to use it. Uh, but so getting one that she said, you have not, friends that have not it. for the Latin mass. Okay, so, for the Novus Ordo mass. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we're super familiar with different kinds of missiles, but I would go with Magnificat is really good. Um, I think there's also the St. Joseph's missile. Yeah. Yes. You know what I've got? I, in my library, I have some uh, uh, books that are very, very old, and I have a few old missiles that go back, way back, and they're super cool to pick up and, and see. Oh, I love finding those at bookstores. It's yes. so neat. And uh, I don't know, I don't know where, folks, I don't know where you live. I'm not sure where you're, you're, you're based out of. I know there's a lot of folks around the Texas area, but there's people watching and listening all over uh, planet Earth, apparently, so now that we're international. Uh, but you find antique stores. Sometimes you find gems. There, we have an antique store locally that has a, has a whole book section in the back. Uh, they have a whole section of Catholic stuff in the back. So, uh, incredible, beautiful, uh, Catholic art, kneelers. They've got, they've had, they've sold altars, confessionals, just all, all cool stuff back there from beautiful churches. But they also have a section of books and I found some gems. In fact, I have some in the bookshelf behind you, uh, right now, Emily, uh, that I pulled out of that store that are just gems that are, ain't, they're old antique books. They're wonderful. So look for an antique shop near you. They might have some good, Awesome Catholic stuff in there. You just you just never know. Uh, Valentine, 
yeah, so that hopefully that helps. Um, Kathy said a second ago, Adrian Tuesday, you told me about Venerable Mary Vagreda. Yeah, whenever I got her number uh, for the after the game show, we talked about Venerable Mary Vagreda. She said, uh, I am doing the consecration of St. Joseph. Today's readings on the, for the Feast of the Holy Spouses, she and Anne Catherine are quoted. Love when that happens. Uh, me and Emily, or Emily and I, rather, I guess if I want to use proper grammar. If you want. Uh, <laughs> uh, we interviewed Father Calloway, the author of uh, The Consecration of St. Joseph, which we are giving away during our share coming up very soon. And the talk, we talked a little bit about Venerable Mary Vigreda and Anne Catherine Emmerich. We talked a little bit about all the uh, different sources he used. So it was a great interview. So you're going to have to look for that whenever we uh, begin the um, when we begin the share So that's really awesome. Yeah, amen. Praise be to God. Uh, uh, Kathy says she's getting ready to go to a Latin Mass. Praise be to God. Yeah, that's awesome, Kathy. I'm very excited. You know, I, 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 I was... A I was a Protestant, then I went pagan, then I became Catholic, and then slowly over time, I've just grown more and more traditional. I didn't intend to go down this road, but it, here I am nonetheless. And boy, that Latin, once it bites you, it, it, it sticks around, and you end up growing and to love it more and more. And that's been true for my family, for sure. So we picked up, my wife bought me, in fact, uh, I think it was for my birthday, uh, the Angelus Press Missile for the Latin Mass, and I absolutely love it. When I first got it, though, I have to tell you, when I first opened it, I was, like, so confused and so frustrated because it was like, you got to flip to this section and that section. I'm like, what is this, like a farmer's almanac? This is insane. (laughs) And then I sat down with my priest friend, and he, like, explained it and made it simple, and I was like, oh, okay. So, Kathy, if you get one and you need help, Adrian, I'm sure will sit down with you and and maybe talk you through it. He, he's good like that. One hundred percent. If uh, especially if we if you get the Angelus one because that's the one I use. So I'm definitely better at helping people with that one. The Father Lassance, maybe I can rope Emily into helping me. Uh, maybe Father Lassance uh, is more technical. It's Father Lassance, you think so? I do. I don't yeah. think so. I think Father Lassance really? one is actually easier to yeah. use. What? It's less flipping. I think yeah. maybe I'm just not as smart because boy, I was I had a hard time. My son got the Lassance one, and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm glad I got the Angelus because it's just better. Yeah, I think the Father Lassance is easier because it doesn't require as much flipping around the missile but because of that it's much much bigger that's uh, true so it's like yeah. more than twice the size yeah so it just mm-hmm. depends on what you're looking for um yeah the the father sans is, is a favorite i love a lot of people and it has a lot more pictures the angelus missile has less pictures uh but i just posted a link to the new liturgical movement has an article about this new uh, missile they're coming out with, which is like the Magnificat, but for the Latin Mass. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. We, my mom just 